the Ghost Goal Podcast. Manchester United burst into life on Monday evening to kickstart their season with an unexpected first win of the Premier League campaign against historic rivals Liverpool, who are officially off to a slow start of their own with only two points from their first three games. Meanwhile, Manchester City and Newcastle played out to one of the matches of the season so far, as they drew 3-3 at St. James's Park on Sunday afternoon. All that plus a huge win for Leeds as they slapped up my boys Chelsea 3-0 after a huge mistake from Edouard Mendy to get the ball rolling on the score sheet. I'm Alex here with Javier. Welcome to episode 368 of the Ghost Goal Podcast. Javier, I didn't mention in that intro, but uh, your boys Arsenal got a nice 3-0 win yeah. against Bournemouth. Yeah, it was a couple a good, early uh, goals, wrapped it up early, a beauty from Saliba to finish it off. So uh, yeah, you guys are, are you officially top right now? We are you top the league. We are top the league. Yeah, you know, you know my rules about checking the league that. title. I can't, I can't sing. Yeah, yes, yeah. it's, it's official. Arsenal are top of the league after three games. Nine points from three games. It's been uh, since two thousand four, two thousand five, since Arsenal won their first three games in the Premier League. That's kind of crazy. It's been a long time, almost twenty years. Yeah, almost. Yeah, remember last year when uh, Tottenham were nine points from three games to start the season. All I'm saying is, let's not get ahead of ourselves uh, with anything yet. But yeah, it is a promising start. Sure, um, but... Not, not that I'm saying you guys will fall apart like Nuno did, but I'm just saying people were all over Spurs this time last year uh, as well. So three games in. Uh, dude, I remember a season where West, West Brom won their first three games the last time, uh, the first time they got relegated recently. They won their first three games after finishing eighth the season before. People were talking about a European push and then they got relegated that same season. So uh, I'm, I'm just starting to see a lot of uh, overreactionary picks and uh, people saying that their preseason predictions are, you know, guaranteed three games in. And, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying on this podcast. I'm saying all over the place, Twitter, Instagram, other podcasts. People seem to be really uh, overreacting about as much as normal. Um, but uh, let's get to our own overreactions because there were some great results uh, this weekend, including... Earlier today, Monday, the primetime or marquee fixture of the weekend, Manchester United versus Liverpool at Old Trafford. United, uh, as I mentioned, got a 2-1 win, went up 2-0 with goals from uh, Jaden Sancho in the 16th minute and Marcus Rashford in the 53rd before Salah made it a little nervy for United at the end with a, a goal with nine minutes left to go. But United hold on for their first points of the season. Uh, what what can you ex- how can we explain how this happened after it went from doom and gloom for Manchester United uh, to having to host a team that beat them five nil in the same fixture uh, last season uh, and, and all of a sudden they've turned it around like what did you see that uh, made it evident that was like the the biggest improvement for Man United? Well, there were a couple of huge ones, which was the omission of Harry Maguire and the omission of Cristiano Ronaldo. I think. When you take out Harry Maguire and you put that Varane Martinez center back pairing, they just looked worlds better than they the, any center back pairing has for United in a long time. And there was an understanding there. You know they could both speak to each other in Spanish. You know I'm pretty sure Martinez and and doesn't speak very much English at all. So having someone like Varane can only have helped them a lot. Uh, you know Martinez had a brilliant game 
brilliant game. I mean, of all the games yeah, that he he's excellent. played for United so far, it's only been a couple, but he this was this was why they signed him and paid the big bucks for him, you know. Um, and Varane had a good game having a, a ball playing center back next to him who he, who he can communicate with. And the rest of the team just exuded confidence, including De Gea. Like De Gea was back to making some good saves, you know, back to being confident in distribution when he has center backs again that he can communicate with. Not that he can't communicate, you know, he's got perfect English. But again, it's just like when you have uh, harmony in the back line, it, it, it brings chances to your forwards it brings relief to midfielders that they don't have to do as much work because the back line can can keep the ball and and distribute it to the wingbacks and and get get the, get the play going um and i think the cristiano ronaldo omission basically allowed the the front three which was you know to start in the first half elanga sancho and rashford and Bruno Fernandez was playing the the fourth attacker. All of them were kind of interchanging, going through the wings, and and it was really hard for Liverpool to deal with. You know, without Joel Matip back there, Joe, Joe Gomez was just getting turned in and out, and Van Dijk was good. He stopped a lot of the the attacks, but couldn't couldn't you know stop every single chance United had, and and they broke through five six times in the first half. Um, Elanga missed a sitter. You know, Sancho. I think that Sancho goal, if Cristiano Ronaldo's playing in the team, he doesn't score it because the position that he was in, Ronaldo would have been somewhere in the box and he would have had his back to goal and then thought to himself, okay, I need to find Cristiano here for a tap-in. But because there wasn't Cristiano Ronaldo there, he went the selfish route. He thought, okay, I'm good enough to do a skill move here and I'm going to shoot this. If I miss it, you know, no one's going to be screaming at me like, oh, that's your fault. Why didn't you pass it to me? He And moment of brilliance from Jaden Sancho. I mean, that's the Sancho we saw at Borussia Dortmund. That's the type of player that uh, that they paid, the, you know, huge bucks for and that we you need to see more of that going forward. Same thing with Marcus Rashford. Rashford was just a different player this game. Do you mind if I just jump in on the uh, just the, the point about the, the Sancho goal? I agree with you, like generally, like overall throughout the 90 minutes or however much time it was until Ronaldo came on. I think it's it suits the group of players far better to play Ten Hag style without, you know, an immobile and, uh, you know, not very hard pressing center forward. Like everyone in the front line and most of the midfield needs to be willing and able to press for that to work the way Ten Hag wants it to. But for that specific goal... I think Ronaldo could score it. I just think it's much less likely that uh, Sancho is in that position if Ronaldo's there, because Ronaldo would take up that central position right on the penalty spot. The whole reason Sancho was in as much space as he was in is because the fluid nature of that front three. Like, yes, Rashford is the center forward, but he's going to drift out to find space wherever. And then it's Sancho's job or Bruno Fernandes, his job to drift into that space and, and take up the space that's vacated by the center forward. Sancho finds himself in acres of space, drops Milner, and then just basically side foots it into the net because Allison had dove the other way uh, while he was like trying to set up for the shot. Ronaldo could still finish that. It wasn't that difficult of a finish. Uh, it's just the nature of how Sancho found himself in that position. I don't know if I, they would track that run if it was Ronaldo because that's the first threat you would look to mark if you're defending Man United. You'd think, all right, if I mark Ronaldo, then there's a good chance that there's not going to be anyone else who's going to be able to finish and is in enough space to do so. 
but, but yeah, I mean, there was improvement all over the park for Manchester United. And uh, the, the other player we have to we have to call out, it was a, a team effort on that left side, but Lissandra Martinez and uh, Tyrell Malasia, the the uh, Dutch left back that they signed. You didn't let me get there, Alex. His... I was, I was going to get there, but yes, he was Well, excellent. yeah, well, you're moving on to Rashford. We can move yeah. on to Rashford, too, because he, we've given him a lot of criticism. You know, you gotta, you got to be as loud with the, with the respect as you are with the disrespect. So, Rashford, what, what were your thoughts on him? Because he obviously got the second goal. Yeah, he had a few it's chances. It's the first time I've he, seen he him look like old Rashford. Yeah, he could have gotten a hat-trick in this game. You know, he was back to terrorizing the, the back line, and... You know, it, it, when the crowd got behind the team, they got a lead for the first time this season. It, it, it brought that forward to them. You know, it brought energy. It brought belief to the team. And at the same token, you know, we haven't talked about Liverpool, but Liverpool were just not at it. Well, you know, they had, they had a midfield of James Milner, Jordan Henderson, and Harvey Elliott. Like, that's yeah. just not good enough. They brought on Fabinho in the second half, but it, it just it was it was just too little, too late. You know, they they pulled the goal back in the eighty first minute with Salah and made it nervy. Could have maybe tied the game, but it, it just Luis Diaz. You know, he's he's a great player on the ball, can dribble, press, but he's not like in build up. He's not or he's not as threat as big of a threat on goal as Sadio Mane was. And they, without Darwin Nunez right. in the side in that red card, it, it really cost them this game because they didn't have a, that that goal threat output that they needed from Diaz and Salah. They they were able to lock down both Diaz and Salah more to, you know, with with quick wing backs that could track them back. And then, yeah, it just it, it was is a good game plan for Manchester United. Tactically, they were very sound for the first time in a long time. It seemed like they. You know, pretty much controlled this game. It was impressive. It was uh, like they didn't really have fifteen to twenty minutes where you thought they just went to shit. Uh, yeah, well, okay, which hasn't course, really happened because, in a you know, United game for a long time, where they just haven't right. had it seems like, like fifteen every, to twenty minutes of complete shit. It, like, it this seems was like one every of the United game that, recently has yeah. been the opposite, where it's been like United are playing like complete shit and they managed to put together 10 to 15 minutes of you know holding possession today was obviously the opposite but without the sustained period of you know looking panicked in defense they, they were still pretty open but that kind of kind of comes with the nature of having a lead against liverpool they're going to pressure you regardless i i just think for liverpool there's obviously like issues in midfield especially with injuries but it seems like like the overall uh Two points. Approach of Two the points team is a is, really bad start when the standard that they've set these last couple of seasons for the title, 90 point plus titles. Oh, yeah. No, of course. I mean, we this were making is, this jokes about them being out of it. This is horrible. But they might be. Yeah. But I was going to say the overall like philosophy well, of the team United. seems to be it seems to be anchored around, obviously, the like the most talent and quality in the team is out in the wide positions, whether it's like. In the past, Mane on one wing, Salah on the other, with Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold like being really heavy with their their like distribution and, and going forward and attack, and then everyone's central for them, whether it's in midfield or at center back, they've just been predicated on working hard to like win the ball back as soon as possible and then distribute it as wide as possible as soon as possible to kickstart their attacks, and with you know an aging Milner an aging and kind of limping Henderson and then an inexperienced Harvey Elliott in midfield. 
it's kind of no wonder that this wasn't their most spectacular uh, performance against Manchester United. So uh, we'll see if they can get some people healthy or if they'll, you know, maybe swoop in and steal Tielemans from you guys or something. And the, they need to make some kind of move in the transfer market if they want to challenge for the league title. I, I don't I think it's as, as simple as that, really, for Liverpool. And Liverpool fans don't like hearing that because they like to act like they're different than everyone else. Like, oh, no, we don't buy we don't buy the, the league. We don't buy trophies. It's like if you want to keep up with Manchester City and teams on the continent that are trying to get back into winning Champions Leagues, you're going to have to spend money at some point. So Nottingham Forest are dropping like 150 million, like the first you year they come up. You got crickets for me like, over here. No, I mean, I, I, I figure you would agree. Well, yeah, no, I'm saying we've spent a lot. So I'm like, yep, right. keep spending. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that, that leads into a whole other thing of that pisses me off when people try to act like spending money is like evil in soccer. But yeah, let's move on. Uh, that, w- that was a hell of a Monday game. But at the same time, it did not uh, overshadow Sunday afternoon's game. I'm still the game of the weekend for me. Newcastle United 3, Manchester City 3. Uh, Ilkay Gundogan got the lead for Manchester City in the fifth minute uh, before Miguel Almiron in the 28th and Callum Wilson in the 39th uh, took the lead uh, for Newcastle in like a second half to the first half that was all Newcastle United. Like there were still good chances for City for most of the the second half of the game. But in that latter stage of the first half, like City were lucky they weren't down like three or four one. It was yeah. they were conceding that many chances. But Same eventually Newcastle pushed their lead to three one. And first then half. City come back with uh Holland in the sixty first and Bernardo Silva in the sixty fourth. A, a truly eventful and great game. Uh not even mad that there wasn't a winner between the two sides. And I don't think Manchester City fans can feel too aggrieved with that either, because St. James's Park is very obviously going to be a very difficult place for most teams to go to this season. So uh, what, what do you think of the game? And uh, do you think it's that, that much of a downer, if at all, for Manchester City? No, I, like you said, I think other, you know, quote unquote, big six teams, teams that they're competing with were, are going to drop points at St. James Park. You know, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal could all, you know, get draws or losses there. You know, I'm not expecting too much when we go there. That that, that place is, is pretty crazy. I mean, City even got the early goal. You know, you thought it was just going to kind of be, oh, this is City. They got that goal. They got they had a few chances. You know, Holland was in on goal a couple of times. They could have easily the made it second game in a row where Foden didn't square Foden, it to him. He had it again. It just it's happened for for Holland and then didn't do it. Puts it straight at, at the keeper. And that would have been 2-0 to City. And I, I kind of think that City would have just brute cruised past this game if they'd done that. But I think them missing those chances and then gave Newcastle a second breath of life where that sec- that second half of that first half, you know, those last 15 minutes of the 20 minutes of that first half, Newcastle just destroyed Manchester City, you know, got the got the equalizer, got the go ahead goal, you know, could have even had a couple more goals and then, you know, kept it up in the beginning of the second half. Trippier gets the free kick goal. You think, what the hell's going on? Is Newcastle about to win? Um, but then City did their thing where they immediately get a goal right back and, and equalize. And then it was just kind of a nervy finish till the end. Both teams shut up shop and, and kind of seemed happy with the point. Great game, like you said. But I don't think either team really deserved to win. I think City would have cruised to a win if they finished their chances early on. Um, but... Newcastle showed how strong they're going to be that if you don't put them to the sword, they're going to come back in games. They're going to bring the crowd into it. 
and there's going to be comebacks there. There's going to be uh, it's going to be a crazy hard place to to get a result. Yeah, the most interesting development I saw from this, I'm not sure how easily other teams are going to going to be able to replicate it, but maybe some teams can. When the city whipped out that uh, the, the two inverted fullbacks uh, thing, they love to do where like Walker and Cancelo basically turn into defensive midfielders and play like right in front of whoever the two center backs are. When City tried that, Newcastle basically just stuck San Maximan on Kyle Walker and got him to run onto knockdowns, and he just fleeced Kyle Walker, like fleeced him for pace, which is you know something we're not too used to seeing. Fleeced him for strength, which you know Kyle Walker is a he's a unit; he can usually hold his own. Like all three of the goals is ju- they're just dripping in San Maximan's influence. He plays the cross in for uh, Almiron that like ricochets off his thigh and goes in. He runs from midfield after beating Kyle Walker for pace, like cuts inside on Ruben Diaz and then slips it into Callum Wilson to go up two one. And then he wins the free kick that Kieran Trippier he, he, rips top he left. He reminds corner. me a lot of Eden Hazard, like his play style, the way that he can dribble and, and influence a game. I th- I just think that. He has injury problems, and that's what's always going to keep him from from reaching the top level. If he if he can ever sort out and stay fit for a full season, and not you know get get momentum a month, two months out by a hamstring injury or something, you know, or his knee injuries, you know, he's that's what's going to keep him. But he he reminds me of Eden a lot the way he plays. I mean, the influence that he can have on a game because he's unstoppable when he's when he's at top form. Yeah, when, he, when he's got ample like space, it doesn't matter who the defenders are, evidently. And you know what? It just sprung to mind that Manchester City are hosting uh, Crystal Palace next weekend. And Wilfred Zaha is like a similar profile of player who's in a similar vein of form right now, except he's actually got like three goals, I think, this season already. So uh, I, I, Patrick Vieira should be looking at how uh, Newcastle United and Eddie Howe you know, tore the city team to shreds for periods of the game, and they should be trying to replicate that with Zaha as much as possible. Um, yeah, that'll be an interesting one to to see how City bounce back at home. The Crystal Palace beat them at the Etihad last season too. So yeah, it's it seems like there's no easy games anymore. Like, what what team do you look at in the league now? If you're an Arsenal fan, and like, I know you just played Bournemouth. Bournemouth, that's I would the say, answer. is probably yeah. like the one where you're looking at it and going, "All right, if we don't get a win here, that's." It's a big problem. Yeah, but at the same time, now you're looking at teams like like Fulham and Nottingham Forest and those away games. I don't know. They seem like a little bit tougher than you normally would expect from like two promoted teams. So it just it, it, there's there's hardly an, any like easy like uh, stretches of the schedule. There's always going to be difficulties with every game. That's enough about City. I, don't, I mean, I, they won their first two games of the season and then drew this one, which I think we both agree it was a more difficult one than than it sounds. So. You know, no alarm bells going off for City. I assume they'll they'll figure something out and and come back. Holland uh, has three goals in three games, so uh, and he he could have had a hat trick, frankly, in this game. He was very unlucky. Like Nick Pope made some great saves to prevent him from getting that hat trick, but he's gonna he's gonna gobble up like bags more goals like sooner or, or later. It's gonna happen. Let's go to arguably the biggest upset of the weekend as uh, Leeds United beat Chelsea. For the first time in more than 20 years, uh, they hadn't beaten Chelsea uh, since coming up under Marcelo Bielsa a couple of years ago, but uh, sure did they beat us on uh, Sunday, beat us 3-0 after a huge mistake from Edouard Mendy, gifted Brendan Aronson a goal in the 33rd minute, 
And then four minutes later, Rodrigo scored off a set piece, and then Jack Harrison sealed the win for Leeds late on with a 69th-minute goal. And Kaladu Koulibaly somehow managed to get himself sent off with a very dumb second yellow card in the 84th minute. I'm a little torn on this one, Javier, because in the moment, I'm just sitting there watching it, thinking what can go wrong has gone wrong. And it seems like everything went wrong after, like, once that that mistake happened in the 33rd minute. But for the first, like, 30 minutes, I wasn't that mad at it. Like, I just thought it was like an even game of two teams trying to press each other very high. And then whoever blinked first, it was going to be very hard for them to, like, get, get a win out of it. And we were the team that obviously blinked first when M- Mendy made that big mistake. I honestly think it's, like, in terms of how the games played out, I don't think it's, like that different from when we beat them 3-0 at the end of last season. Except, instead of Mason Mount taking his early chance in that, ga- in that game at the end of last season, he didn't take his early chance in this one. Raheem Sterling didn't take his chance, and then when he, he did, he was offside. There were enough chances in like the early parts of the game that I just think if we take one of those, it ends up being like the three nil win a Tuchel's couple of months like ago. Interview at the end of the game, like talking about yeah. like the, he, that was kind of he like said a something blow up. similar. What do you mean? Like he goes on like a rant about how like you guys didn't finish your chances early and how like yeah, I agree with him. But like usually that's like what I'm saying uh, is do you re- do you remember how the game went last season when we beat them three 0 at Elland Road? Not particularly. Mason Mount scored. Mason, it was like the second or third to last game of the season. They were fighting relegation. Dan James got sent off after, I mean, we were already already 1-0 up at that point. They Leeds worked just as hard in that game and pressed us just as high. Jesse Marsh was still the coach then. But we made the first like big mistake that gifted a goal. Like instead of Mason Mount, like do you not remember him ripping it top right corner, like from the right side against Leeds? It's like one of his best goals last year. Oh, I'll send it to you. Instead of that happening, we couldn't get the first goal, and then the first goal was a gift to them. And from there, ment- mentally, we fell apart, which, you know, there's no excuse for that. But I'm also just like, it's the third game of the season. Like, yeah, I'm pissed. Like, I hate losing the leads. Like, I hoped we would never really have to go through anything like that. But again, third game of the season. We've still got a week left in the transfer window. It's going to motivate, you know, the higher-ups, Bowley in particular, to go and get the business done that needs to be done, mainly Fofana and a forward and hopefully a midfielder. And if he can do that, then, you know, we'll still be fine. Like, it's an early blip. But, you know, some teams start the season You've well. you spent like 170 we mil and you're like, oh, we need three more players, Bowley. Like, are you serious? Yeah, because a lot of that was, a lot of that was replacing players. We've been over this, but... You know, we had to replace players and it's then we ridiculous. had to improve. But yeah, so. I mean, sure, you probably need someone like Fofana, but it's because I told you Tiago Silva, not good enough to play week in and week out. Tiago Silva was fine. He was not fine. He was getting yes, he burned was. the entire time. In he this was game. he was completely fine. It was Jorginho and Gallagher playing together for the first time. That was just a wide open chasm in midfield. And I expect Gallagher at least to, to improve. Jorginho... I don't know if that's ever going to improve. Um, we might need to get away from that one as soon as possible. Leeds were great, though. Brandon, Brandon Aronson and Rodrigo kept up his... He has four goals this season. Crazy from him. Uh, Aronson looked great. Had a bunch of, you know, half chances. Pressed really hard high up for the goal. Harrison looked really good, too. The- like, 
it's just I can't uh, obviously. Leeds went with no striker. Well. Leeds went he did with well no striker. They they played a bunch of like. Rodrigo's tens. a striker. Get out of here with that. Rodrigo's He's a striker. Like a ten. He he played striker Winger. at Valencia the entire sure, time he was sure, there. Sure, sure. And he played striker for Spain. Like he's he's definitely a striker. Uh, the thing I was going to say about Aronson is like yes, he deserves credit for, you know, running Mendy down, taking the ball and scoring. Like good for him. But what the fuck was Mendy thinking there? He had so much time to just boot it out. I he did the same thing against West Ham last season when Jared Bowen like sprinted at him and he just had a fucking seizure on the ball and just gifted a penalty to him. And then he fucked up the the pass in the Real Madrid uh, first leg. That's like three in less than a year. That I'm just like, it has to stop at some point, right? Like, it's literally just an error of your own making. Like, a better play would be just hoof it out for a throw-in. Like, I would be happier than that than giving it away for a, like a simple goal. So that that's like that's the kind of stuff that I mean that like the reason we lose is because we make that mistake. If we just make a less shitty mistake, they get a throw in. So that needs to be sorted out. It really does. And luckily it's the beginning of the season, so hopefully it doesn't happen again for the rest of this season, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Moving on to elsewhere in uh, West London. I did want to hit on this one even though it's not, you know, one of the the sexy games of the weekend, but Fulham and Brentford played to a 3-2 win for Fulham. Uh, they got a 90th minute winner from Alexander Mitrovic. He went head to head. We were rightly his, excited uh, about this one, by the way. Yes, we were. Yeah, it was it was a hell of a game. Hell um, of a game. It was a goal in the first minute by by Fulham by Cord- uh, De Cordova Reed and uh, a goal in the 90th minute uh, back post header from Mitrovic. What what did you think of this game and uh, I, I guess what it means for the rest of the season? I guess we don't learn much about Brentford, but for Fulham, it seems like a pretty big statement. I mean, that's a, this is a huge win for them. This is the type of win that when it's coming down to the end of the season, if they're you know in there for relegation, which we're still thinking that they're probably going to be, these are the type of wins that they can get early on. Draws like against Liverpool, getting these early points on the board can can keep them afloat later on in the season if they have bad runs of form. So, you know, I think if Mitrovic gets hurt, this team's going to have a lot of trouble. You know, I don't think he's going to be able to play every single Premier League game, FA Cup, you know, League Cup, everything. So, they do seem to have some other quality in the team. They've got definitely more defensive-minded players, more possession-based. Tosin's a good center back. Yeah, I think for Fulham, I'm definitely rethinking my uh, my relegation pick for them. Yeah, I wouldn't go too crazy just yet because, I mean, they definitely look better than they did last time they were up. Like, I'll give them that. But I, I just, I don't trust Marco Silva. Like, it seems like Marco Silva always has, like, good runs for, like, half a season. And then once it goes, like, a little bit wrong and he loses two or three games in a row, he just is yeah, never let's see able what, let's to see turn what they, it around. They bounce back after a couple losses and see what happens, you know, because they're playing Arsenal soon. Right. So, in the next game. Yeah. I mean, let's use this opportunity, like, to basically preview that one. The way too early preview that we usually try to do. Because in terms of, like, marquee matchups for next weekend, you know, there are some interesting ones. But nothing like Manchester United-Liverpool or Chelsea-Tottenham from the last two weeks that, like, jumps off the paper. Or off the table, I should say. Arsenal hosting Fulham is probably the best one of them all. I guess we'll take this opportunity just to, you know, repeat. Arsenal beat Bournemouth 3-0. Uh, 
uh, last weekend away from home, Odegaard with a brace and then Saliba with the third in the 54th minute. I'm sure you're very confident going into this one. You guys usually have a pretty good record against Fulham, but Fulham, I'll credit them further by just saying that they seem like they've got a healthy balance to their squad at the moment. Like you mentioned, they've got the hardworking players. Paulinha gets his first goal off a set piece in a Fulham shirt, and then you know he's as good defensively and with his energy at the base of midfield, but snuffing things out. Uh, he's been electric for them. Andreas Pereira has been excellent with his set-piece deliveries. Could have scored, hit the post against Brentford. There are obvious places that Arsenal can attack, like Tim Ream in defense or Harrison Reed or something in midfield. You know, you guys have the edge in a I lot of the positions I think them having Burn there. Leno will be a, a, a big advantage for them. You know, he'll be able to, to kind of coach them and help them out. But we are going to be at home. And we're going to be raucous. We're going to be singing the Saliba song the whole time, Alex. I can't imagine what that's going to sound like with however many 60,000 at right. the Emirates so or whatever it is. There's going to be a... Uh, it was annoying enough at Bournemouth. That's what I'm saying. I, I just, I don't know how Fulham's going to be able to deal with it. I, I think teams, especially the first time they, they come to the Emirates... What, the song? No. This Arsenal. This By the way, you guys know that you Arsenal. stole that. You guys know that you stole that from Brighton fans. They had that song for Basuma for like the last three years. Yeah, that's all right. You're not original, is what I'm trying to say. You know, you're just copying and pasting it. I'm sure Tottenham fans are singing this. Are going to start singing the same song uh, when Basuma scores like a 30 yard screamer for them. I didn't expect Odegaard, especially after his role that he had in the last game, where he was kind of just a roaming midfielder, connecting all the play, for him to in this game just be a fox in the box, get a couple of goals and he's just, he's an amazing player. He, he, he shows up when he's needed. He does the job, whether it's defensively or offensively. And we're lucky to have him as captain, you know, and, and Saliba, I mean, what a fucking crazy goal that was, Alex, like she picks the top corner from the top of the box there from a center back is just absolutely lovely. Yeah. With his weak foot. Sinchenko was just freaking out afterwards. He just had his hands on his head and he like lent bent down. Like, Oh my God, what did I just witness? Uh, did you see you guys or notice you guys, uh, ripping off Manchester city's inverted fullbacks? I mean, I've been trying to tell you, Alex, like tech tactically the way that the three, two, five. Yeah. Tactically the way Arsenal's been playing <laughs> was, and it hasn't been like, I was watching that just like geeking. Like, like we are Manchester probably, city. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you thought I, mean, I, still you thought think I that's was like, joking when that's I've been way like, overblown. When I, I know, I know it is overblown. I mean, you clearly are. Like, but like, let's go are. see. I know we're literally trying to play like Manchester City. So let's see, like, what happens in games like this. This game against Fulham, like, we did to Bournemouth. What basically? What we should have had five, six, seven goals in this game. I mean, we completely controlled the game. Bournemouth did. You nothing. guys did like a. You guys did a slightly different thing with the fullbacks. You had the one fullback, but because your right back is you know a natural center back in Ben White, you could play Ben White right center back, Saliba in the middle, and Gabriel left center back, and then Partey and Zinchenko. Zinchenko was just like drifting wherever when you guys had the ball because you guys just didn't respect Bournemouth at all. You were like, you guys can't do anything to us. We're gonna leave all this space open. It doesn't matter. Like you're just gonna have to sit here and watch us control the ball. And, you know, it's hard to take too much from that, but like I can see why you're making the Manchester City comparisons when you're watching Zinchenko start at left back and then all of a sudden he's picking up the ball on like the right wing and like playing triangles with people. I can see why that's like got you hyped up. But 
this this Fulham game, you're gonna have to be a bit more disciplined. Gabriel Jesus, what like, about that run he made for the first goal where he just yeah, dude, dribbles that through was the a, entire team? That was a real welcome Jesus to the Premier League moment. Because like, the the guy he bodied, it was like five minutes in, right? He it bodied was that like three Sinesi. people in that run. That was unbelievable. Well, he, well the, when the ball. The, the ball was in the air and it dropped down. He just bodied Senesi, the new Argentine center back that Bournemouth just bought from Feyenoord. He just bodied him to the ground five minutes into his debut, turned it, ran past Jefferson Lerma, evaded the foul, slipped in uh, Martinelli, and then his rebound Odegaard put in. But like Marco Senesi is, I think, Bournemouth's like record signing. <laughs> like they signed him to like solidify their defense and, you know, Add a little bit of extra class to their to their center backs, and he just gets bodied immediately coming in. <laughs> Welcome, bitch! Come here, <laughs> come here, kid. But yeah, yeah no, I here, mean, kid. Jesus was amazing. Um, again, just so energetic. So, ah, just there's so many good things that are going on with the team right now. You know, I'm uh, obviously getting three wins like this. It's it's exciting. I'm not I'm not going to make any uh, outlandish statements or say anything is guaranteed or anything, but. We do have a couple of... Oh, come on. You know you want to. I know I want to. But we have a couple of easy-ish games. We have Fulham at home next, then Villa at home. Both teams. Fulham, you know, they're on good form. This is... The, it'll. I don't think it'll be an easy game, but I think 2-0, 3-1. You know, I think those are, those are likely results. But with the Villa at home game, that'll be an easier game, I think. And then we play Manchester United yeah. away. So if we go in with five wins into the United game, and then we win that United game. We have a couple of more easy-ish games. Um, I think Brentford away, I guess that's pretty hard. But it's not a hard, very difficult start to the season for Arsenal. And it's kind of realistic that after eight or nine, ten games, like when you start actually looking at the table, it, that Arsenal are going to be top of the table. It's possible. I'm not going to get too hyped ahead of time being like, even if we are top of the table ten after ten games, it doesn't really mean anything because... Alex and I were looking, you know, this last weekend we were hanging out and we were looking at the the schedule. You showed me this earlier too. Arsenal have like crazy hard away games in like April and uh, late March and early April next year. Well, you know, when we're going to be in Europa, the Europa League semifinals, quarterfinals, whatever, FA Cup, all that stuff. If we go deep in these competitions, we're going right. to be in those. So there could still be a collapse way far down the road and it really doesn't mean that much but it's it can still you know lead to having a cushion going into that part of the season so we need to get the wins now it's really important that we yeah, that we're getting these wins right now when other teams are still picking up the pieces other teams are still you know getting shit together we have sh- our shit together for the first time in a yeah, long I was about time to say- Every year, there's a bunch of teams that are clearly not ready for the league. Chelsea, admittedly, this season were, are not ready for the league season. We were ready for it last year. Uh, Arsenal are were clearly ready for it. And I would say Fulham were another team that just came into this season and Leeds, evidently. They're, they're just ready. They're, they have their most of their teams set up. Uh, Fulham still have areas that they can improve. Like they, Kevin Mbabu came in uh, for Tete, the right back, Kenny Tete during the game and he played the assist to Mitrovic at the back post for the winner and he had the uh the overlap and and cross when uh Raya pulled off that amazing save from Mitrovic like just before that I don't know if you remember that one I do yeah that was crazy you, yeah yeah 
because you have Mitra Vix in your fantasy yeah, team. Yeah, I was so, raging. But Mbabu brings like another level of quality to the, the right side of Fulham, and they can bring in Issa Jop for uh, Tim Ream. They just signed Issa Jop from, uh, from West Ham. I don't know about you, but I think Tim Ream is complete and utter garbage. I don't, I don't know how he's ended up playing at center back. Like, as soon as he's out of the team, Fulham could, you know, probably start to, you know, make a like a real push for maybe even like a mid-table spot this season with how they've started. I think this is next to Crystal Palace away. This is your toughest game of the season so far. Leicester at home, they're clearly a team that was not ready for the season and is still trying to get rid of the players that don't want to be there. And then Bournemouth, you know, goes without saying. So I think you guys win, but I think it's actually like a pretty hard fought 2-1. Maybe you're up 2-0 yeah, and Fulham get surprised. like one with 10 minutes to go or something. I'm going to say 3-1 just because I think we're, we're going to be a force at home this season. And I think the way we're playing right now, I don't really, I, I don't actually think it's going to be very close. I think we're going to surprise Fulham and they're going to maybe come back in the second half and get a goal you know give us some pain but i think we could get two or three goals the way arsenal that's what i'm talking the way about Arsenal's you guys get two the and then they half, come back with one yeah the way we've been playing in the first half so far we've just been completely destroying teams so until i see evidence of teams someone being able to stop that i'm going to think we're going to keep doing it you know so it's uh it's been catching teams off guard the energy and the the, the pressing moving the ball so quickly early on it's been really been catching teams off guard teams just haven't been ready for the season or that aren't going to be good enough for this league so let's see if Fulham are it's going to be a huge test for them too yeah before we wrap up let's just uh, mention some other results from around the league Tottenham continued their unbeaten start to the season with a somewhat shaky 1-0 win over Wolves Harry Kane scored in the 64th minute to overtake Sergio Aguero Snoozer of a fucking uh, with game with the record for uh, most goals for a single club so uh, good for him uh, Crystal Palace beat Aston Villa 3-1 at Selhurst Park. Uh, Ollie Watkins opened the scoring for Villa before Zaha scored a brace and uh, Mateta sealed the win in the 71st minute. Leicester had the lead against Southampton, uh, but threw it away with a late Shea Adams brace when he came on for Southampton. Some really great goals in that one. Madison called out uh, Bazunu at the near post on a, on a free kick that uh, was really well taken. And then Che Adams, his second goal, like a scissor kick from oh, the cross goal. from the right yeah, side, was, was really nice. great Definitely contact on it. Uh, and then uh, West Ham continued their uh, completely beaten uh, start to the season. Uh, they still haven't scored a goal. They lost 2-0 at home to Brighton. Alexis McAllister with a penalty and Leandro Trossard with a nice team goal in the buildup uh, in the 66 minute to Brighton seal that 2 Alex. Casado's a god. I yeah. you were wrong. Yeah, they're... Uh, yeah, they're, and they, they signed, what's his name, Estupinian the, uh, right. to replace uh, God, Mark Kukurea. So That's like a the Ecuador left back. He's a great player. Right. He's a great player. Uh, and then finally, uh, Everton got their first point on the board as they uh, came back from 1-0 down against Nottingham Forest uh, with a late Damari Gray goal. Uh, and... You know, that's uh, that's one they definitely couldn't couldn't lose. So uh, good for Frank for doing the bare minimum there. Uh, before we go, I just realized we haven't talked about Casemiro joining Manchester United. Yeah, that was like pretty signing, much made official today. Signing. Seventy million. We should at least mention that. Yeah, seventy like, what million. Does that, what does that do to United's midfield? They're going to pay him one hundred and forty million or something over the length of his contract. I mean, he's getting paid. So good for Casemiro, but I think it's a it's a massive player. I mean, that's the type of signing that I didn't think they could get right now and that to pull him out of last second, it's uh it's the type of thing that Manchester United always does. 
they they always go and get a huge player like this to to replace someone like Paul Pogba leaving the team. I thought it was weird it took them this long, but almost they, they Manchester United never goes right. without buying. Why some couldn't huge this be done in June? And giving yeah, <laughs> why wasn't this done in June? But you know it, it's gonna give hope to the team. He was in the in the stands today for the United game, so. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think it's going to change the look of the team a lot. It's going to give United a lot more flexibility. It's going to give them steel in midfield. It's going to give Varane and Martinez more more options to, to play out the back. And it's going to improve the team overall. Their goal output, defensively, everything. Huge signing. I mean, this is probably the best center defensive midfielder in the world. He, he has been. I don't he know been, if he yeah. is anymore. I mean, they just won the um, Champions League. This is the, 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 the starting true, defensive midfielder true. on the team that just won the Champions League. Won La Liga, I mean, he was one of the star players every time he played. You know, he's he's a defensive, you know, not necessarily defense of the dark arts. He's a dark arts god. You know, he knows how to how to pull your shirt and kick you and not get sent off. And you know, he's he's just a, absolute nuisance. Yeah, and Scott McTominay had a good performance today against Liverpool, but you don't expect that to continue. So if you just replace McTominay with Casemiro in that midfield. You got to think Casemiro is going to be able to have performances as good as that more consistently, and probably pull out a few even better performances than that. So, yeah, things are starting to turn up for uh, for Manchester United. I'm, I'm happy for them, you know. Fuck it's, off, uh, Alex. Why would you ever be happy for them? They deserve <laughs> eternal misery. I'm just kidding, yeah. United fans. I'm just kidding. Well, if they keep giving us games like that, entertaining games like that Liverpool uh, Man United uh, derby that happened, then you know. I'm, I won't complain too much because that was uh, that was a fun one today. But yeah, let's wrap things up there. Javier, thanks again for uh, jumping on this one. Congratulations on uh, being first in the table. And this is big for you guys. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to follow Javier on Twitter, uh, I'm actually starting to see him uh, tweet s- semi recently, uh, the last uh, like week or so. Yeah, so, getting some you know, tweets in there. He, like he's only he's only tweeting when Arsenal are playing well. That uh, seems to be his his mo. But you can follow him at JavierRev9. You can follow me at ASMoss92 on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow the podcast socials at GhostGoalPod. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please go ahead and drop us a rating and a review if you can. Those help new listeners to find the pod, and we'd really appreciate it if you guys helped us. You, you know grow this thing and reach out to new listeners. Enjoy the games this weekend, everyone. And until next time, see you.